Okay. You're recording now. All right, thank you. Okay. So hopefully you can stay in the rest of the time. My daughter's a freshman. Keep this over here. What's that? Just me. Yeah. All right. Our next speaker is Wayne Mindset. Wayne Mindset is developed by former national rank Paul Ivy Preston, team of Jeff Smith, developed in the mid 50s to reach a full potential of sports and more life. We bring a unique perspective on the mind of the athletes, developing the confidence among athletes who are having to ask it. Meets the name here from Wayne Mindset. All right. All right, what's going on, team? How we feeling? How we doing? All right, we'll see about that. Good stuff. So, yes, I'm Gene Zanetti. My brother Jeff and I, we started this program called Winning Mindset. You could take one look at me and you know I wasn't a basketball player. All right, it's not a big surprise. So we're looking to make up that height, get that back with some personality and some energy, right? So whenever I talk to any group of people, we always ask the first question, the same first question for any sport. It really doesn't matter. What percentage of basketball is mental and what percentage is physical, if you had to say? And don't just try to make me feel good. What do you think? 80-20? What else? We're sticking with 80-20? Okay, we, the idea is we, we can't put a number on it exactly. It's impossible to quantify just how mental basketball is. We could all agree that a large percentage of the sport is mental. Right? Any group of athletes I talk to, it's very, very mental. Then I ask this question, what percentage are you training mentally versus physically? What do we have? The other way around, right? It's almost like 95% physical training and almost no formal mental training. I'm not saying we don't talk to our athletes, we give pep talks, we get them excited, but how much time are we really spending working on different things with our mind. So we found this in basketball. We started this program as basketball mindset. We had so much success in the sport of wrestling. We branched out to all the different sports and we've made these programs highly specific to their individual sport. We had sports psychologists. I went to an, uh, an Ivy League school, the University of Pennsylvania. It was very general. It wasn't geared specifically towards the sport. So our curriculum for basketball is highly, highly specific. And we found that the same mindset, red flags as we call them, apply right across not only sports, but all areas of life. So giving good opponents too much respect, playing better in practice than a competition, than in a game, right? Uh, choking under pressure, underperforming, uh, focusing too much on the records, the rankings, the seedings, the, the predictions. We get sucked into that whole world of the hype, of this fan mentality, and that's why in the biggest competitions, we, also, we, we often massively underperform. So we, our job is to balance out, to basically bridge that gap between the physical training and the mental training. So again, my background is in sports psychology. I have a master's degree in sports psychology and exercise science from Springfield College. I was an assistant wrestling coach there. I have a clinical psychology master's degree over at Montclair State and I was a school psychologist for some time before I quit that to do this full time. And, and we see it, you really wanna use basketball as a vehicle to improve you in all areas of life. So 
whether the kids are on the basketball court in the state championship game, whether they're taking the SATs or ACTs, whether they're applying for a job in the future, or whether they're saying no to drugs or peer pressure, do they have confidence or not? Are they mentally tough or not? And we find that a lot of coaches will say, well, you either have it or you don't. I think that's a little ridiculous. Anyone can learn anything, right? So the idea is we want to train our mind the same way we train our body. So it's not exactly sports psychology. It's not therapy, it's not counseling, it's not motivational speaking. So what I'm doing right here is this does not constitute mindset training. What this is more is an introduction, but what we do with the athletes, it's gotta be putting the pen to paper and doing the worksheets, doing the exercises, and doing these activities that we give you. So I always use the strength training analogy. It's like strength training for your mind. So if I ask serious athletes, how many months out of the year are they weightlifting? What are they usually saying? 12? And then we ask, how, ma how many months out of the year are you spending with your technical drills with basketball? The serious basketball players, 12 months out of the year, they're doing their basketball drills. Okay, so how many months out of the year? If we're saying the sport of basketball is even 30% even mental, which we know it's much more than that, how, how many months out of the year are we working on our mindset? And if it's like me back when I was competing, very little. So we need to bridge that gap. Something's got to change. What's the definition of insanity? doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So something's got to change. And very frequently, these little adjustments we make with our mindset have all the difference in the world. So we need a volunteer who wants to come up. Mental toughness, confidence, we're just talking about it. Who wants to step up? Come up to the front. Someone. Gary Kennedy, come on Woo! down. Come on down, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. No we always need someone. All right, hands up. No, just kidding. All right, here's what we're, we're going to do. What I want you to do, you don't have to have your hands up. What I want you to do is I want you to balance this on your finger, and I want you to look right down. You grab it. But look, look right down at your finger there. Oh, okay. Again, same thing. Look right down here. A little tough. Okay, third time is the charm. Let's clap it up for him. Let's get him into it a little bit. All right? All right, this is your last one. Right down here at your finger. And break. All right, so now, I intentionally... It's, what's his name again? Garrett. Garrett? Yeah. Okay, I intentionally misled him. What did I tell him to do? Look at his finger. Right. His focus was down by his finger. Now we're going to do it again, and this time look at the top. Aha! Piece of cake. Give him a hand. <laughs> Good. Thanks, Gary. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So <laughs> we could all agree in that 30 seconds, Garrett didn't get any stronger, smarter, or better looking, right? What changed? His focus. And it's exactly that same way with our mindset in any sport in school and in life. Little changes to our focus, yeah, that cute little trick, whatever, right? But it, it illustrates an excellent point for our whole life that little changes in focus make a big difference. If you're a practice room player, that's not, gonna, that's not what's getting the scholarships. That's not, what gonna, that's not what's gonna make anyone turn pro. That's not gonna win a state championship. What really matters is what goes on in the game. So the, the natural attitude is we gotta work harder, we gotta work harder. And here's the problem. 
it's great to work hard physically, but our car is still in third gear. If we have a five gear car and we just keep working hard physically, we get in better shape, we get our drills better, our car is still in third gear. So we want to unleash that emergency brake and take off at full speed. So that's very important. So again, it's different, like we said, than sports psychology, therapy, or motivational speaking. You have to be doing the exercises and worksheets. When you think about strength training, do you just think about lifting weights? No, right? You actually go in the weight room and you lift the weights. Same thing with the basketball drills. You give your athletes drills, right? If they just think about it, okay, visualization is great. I'm all about visualization. But if all I do is visualize, I'm not going to get better with the drills. I have to actually get on the court and I have to practice my drills. It's the same thing with mindset. If you're just listening to me, it's a very low form of engagement. So again, as a school psychologist, we have to learn all this. How do people process information? How do people learn? If you're just listening to a lecture, what percentage of the information are you likely to retain? What do you think? Half, Half 50? What, what is it? 20%. 20%? 5%. If you're listening to a lecture, 5%. That's down there in the toilet. That's almost like we're not even here. Okay? <laughs> so if we know that information, we can't just give talks to athletes. It's got to be doing the drills, it's got to be lifting the weights, and it's got to be going through these mindset exercises. So we have a whole series of things like this. So like one of our examples that we have, we give athletes a reset button. A lot of athletes, one of the mindset red flags are not bouncing, bounce, not doing well bouncing back from mistakes. How many times you see an athlete, they're playing well, they make a mistake, that's it, they're done for the game, right? You have to be able to bounce back from this. Now, we've worked with some of the top athletes in the country. We're currently working with the U.S. Olympic team uh, for wrestling. We work with other sports all around the country. And we find that they don't have this strategy. They know what to do in game situations, technically, but they don't have a plan how they're going to respond if something, goes, you know, if something goes haywire. They make a mistake. What do they tell themselves? What do they tell themselves? If the referee makes a bad call, what are you saying to yourself, right? You got to know that. If the crowd gets loud and negative, what are you telling yourself? So this is exactly what we do. We have athletes actually come up with the reset button, something they physically and tangibly do when they're out here on the court. So if I make a mistake, what am I going to do? My reset button might be a deep breath or it might be a hand clap. And that's my signal to myself that I'm letting go. But that's, you don't wait till you get in the game to come up with that. We got to do that as a team. We got to put that down on paper. Here's my reset button. And then what word or phrase am I going to tell myself? So my master's program in exercise science, we learned about motor learning. Some of you probably know about that, motor learning, right? Athletes don't respond well. When they're in the heat of competition, it's all about having either a word or a short phrase that's going to capture their attention. You don't want a long-running dialogue going on in the athlete's head. In fact, if I had three athletes, one with all positive thoughts, athlete B, all negative thoughts, and athletes see, lights are on, no one's home, not really thinking. Who's going to perform the best, A, B, or C? C, right? It seems like the positive thinker. Okay, we know it's not the negative guy or girl. Throw them out right away. But it's not even the positive thinker that plays the best. The pot, it's the person that's not thinking that's just flowing and feeling. Now, what does that mean? Just be a brick and don't practice? No, you have to, you have to practice your technique so it becomes second nature. Muscle memory, right? And the same thing with our mindset. It has to be so well rehearsed that when they get in the biggest game of the season, they're ready to go. It's second nature. 
So with that reset button, they have a plan if the crowd gets negative, if their opponents are playing dirty, if they get yelled at by a teammate. After they make a mistake, they have the reset button and what they're going to tell themselves. Super important. So that's like a perfect example of what we do, a great, a great thing. Now, I want to give you some, if we have some notes, like we said before, if you're just listening to me, it's a very low form of participation. Take notes on this. This is one of the main lessons that we have in our program, and it's a great analogy for, again, sports, school, and life. We talk about the difference between the predator and the prey mindset. Okay, so I went to the University of Pennsylvania. They had the number three undergraduate psychology program in the country. The animal behavior class was tough. It wasn't just like a geology rocks for jocks class. It was tough. And we found there's two types of animals in the animal kingdom, predator and prey. Now I want you to tell me, how can I tell the difference between a predator and prey animal just by looking at them? What do you think? Teeth? Warm. Go north. Eyes? Right, eyes. So I want you to think about predator animals, lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, oh my that's right, just shout it out if you know it. <laughs> we got to have fun, right? <laughs> we got to have fun. So, you know, I do that with kids actually, and they're like, and they just give you a blank stare. It's like, you, you haven't seen The Wizard of Oz? It's like, go home and watch The Wizard of Oz. Anyway, you look at lions, tigers, bears, oh my, where are their eyes located? On the front of their head or on the side? Front. Why are their eyes located on the front of their head? So they could see what? They could, they could see their goal, they could see what they're focusing in on. Laser vision on their prey. Eyes on the front like to hunt. Say it. Eyes on the front like to hunt. They like that, right? I saw it on a bumper sticker on the way over. <laughs> not true, not true, not true. Uh, eyes on the front like to hunt. Laser vision. How can you tell if a snake is poisonous? Well, one of the ways, other than the color, you look at their eyes. Snakes that have a like um, pupils that are shaped like a ball are not poisonous, but if they have vertical pupil pupils, you know they're poisonous because it's like laser vision on their prey. Okay, so eyes on the front like to hunt. Now look at prey animals, squirrels, chipmunks, rabbits, deer. Where are their eyes located, front or the side? Side. Why might a prey animal need to have their eyes on the side of their head? To see what's going on around them. Focusing on what's going on. What else is going on? Where are the predators? I don't want to get eaten. I don't want to be lunch. Eyes on the side like to hide. Say it. Eyes on the side like to hide. Eyes on the side like to hide. Right. Eyes on the front like to hunt. Eyes on the side like to hide. Then people, you know, give you a little bit of a blank stare. Okay, that's cool. That's cute. What does that have to do with me as a basketball player? What does that have to do with me as a student? What does that have to do with me in life? Everything. That's an awesome analogy and an awesome metaphor that you could use with all of your athletes. Okay, so if you want to be, you, first thing you have to tell us, what are you? Are we predators or are we prey? Everyone take out their cell phone. Go. You're going to snap a picture of me and tag basketball. My, no, I'm just kidding. Take out the cell phone, open up your pictures, and I want the picture to face you. So it's like a mirror. You have a mirror on your phone. Open up to pictures and then flip the camera so you can see yourself. This is one of the most important lessons of your life. You look at yourself. Every day you wake up in the morning, you wash your face, you brush your teeth, you locate your eyes. Where are your eyes located? 
front of your head or on the side. This is massive implications, okay? If, you're, if your eyes are on the front of your head, that means you have to hunt. If your eyes are on the side of your head, you have to hide the rest of your life. Okay, we don't have any aliens in here, I don't think. Our eyes are on the front of our head. Now here's what this has to do with all of us, okay? Our focus has to be on things within our control. If we want, we can't even focus necessarily on winning. It's great to have goals. I want you to write down your goals. In fact, you're 90% more likely to accomplish your goal if it's written down, if anyone knew that. 90% more likely to accomplish your goal if it's written down on paper, okay? So definitely write down your goals. But there's more to it than that. I can't just focus on winning. I can't just focus on titles. John Wooden was called the greatest basketball coach of all time by Sports Century back in ESPN year 2000, right? Never spoke to his team about winning. Did not talk about winning. That's great. So many coaches don't do that. And when I was coaching, I was guilty of this. So I'm not pointing the finger at anyone. When I was coaching, I didn't know all these lessons. We focused a lot on winning. We focused a lot on titles. If you want to be a predator, you've got to focus on the three things within your control. This is pretty important. So let's, let's write this down. You want to convey this to your athletes. Effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. Three factors that are always in your control. And remember, basketball is a metaphor for your whole life. Effort, attitude and aggressiveness, whether we're talking about on the court, in the classroom, at work, or in life, in our social life. Effort, attitude, and aggressiveness are three factors that are always within our control. That's predator mindset. Prey mindset, eyes on the side, that's looking around at other people. And I'll tell you what, the athletes now, they have it even harder than we had it when we were competing. They do, because social media, Instagram, Snapchat, the newspapers, the records, the rankings, the seedings, the predictions, these forums, it's all over the place. It's all over the place, so what are we doing? We're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. So the prey mindset is your greatest foe. You've heard the word foe, right, your opponent? Your prey the prey mindset is the greatest foe, and that stands, that's an acronym, F-O-E. Fan mentality, other people, and extra variables. Fan mentality, O is other people, and E is extra variables. That's your, your greatest foe is this, is this prey mindset. So what are we talking about with fan mentality? The hype. Okay, if you watch, you watch movies, you watch these great sports movies, what do you see before a game, before a big competition? Coach gives this big pep talk, the team goes out there and they win. Like the movie Miracle, we've seen the movie Miracle, we've seen, you know, Rudy, any given Sunday, big pep talk, team goes out there and wins. That's Hollywood. That's not, that's not real life. I mean, there's a lot of teams that do that, but that's not what the best teams do. Again, I go back to John Wooden, you study the best. I'm not interested in what average people are doing. And I have to make certain assumptions. If you're giving up, giving up your time to be here, you're trying to do well, you have high goals. So we can't study most people. We're familiar with the bell curve, right? The bell curve, what most people tend to be where? In the middle, average. So if I'm comparing myself to my friends and my peers, Chances are I'm going to be average. So I want to start asking myself, how do, the, how do the best coaches in the world think? How do the best athletes in the world think? How do the happiest people in the world think? How do the richest people in the world think? How do the holiest people in the world think? I want to aim high. I don't want to look at what my friends are doing. John Wooden did not believe in pep talks. Why? Because he said peaks and valleys. If you peak after a pep talk, right after that, our energy level is going to drop. He, he wanted a consistent energy level straight through. 
consistent energy level, and he knew one of the best ways to mess that up is to give a pep talk. Many athletes I've dealt with, with their coaches or their parents, a lot of times it's the parents, they give this big talk before a game, and what happens? They go out there, their eyes are this big. They're like a deer in the headlights. They come out white because, they're, because they get themselves too hyped up. So this fan mentality, we can't get sucked into that. Personal story in college I could remember. So our coach was a world champion, and he was an Olympic silver medalist. We were at the national duels. The number one and number two teams in the country in college, Division I, they were competing against each other. We had a bye, okay? We wanted to watch, we wanted to watch the competition. But our coach, he said, men, we're not spectators here. We're participants. We're not watching the game. We're going to go in the back room and we're going to recover. How do you think we felt as a team? We were aggravated. We were mad at the coach. We want to watch these two teams go against each other. We want to watch the competition. But he knew. Where's the line? You're either a participant or you're a spectator. What you can't do is this. You can't be on both sides of the line. You have to choose. Am I a participant or am I a spectator? And if we're a participant, which we should be, <laughs> we can't get sucked into the records, the rankings, the seedings, and the predictions. That's fan mentality. That's hype. It's great for Hollywood. And maybe some of you coaches, you want to talk about the records and the rankings to get people at the basketball games, to sell tickets, to create more of a buzz. But when we talk to our teams, we have to tell them we don't care about that stuff. And if we do that, we're more likely to win. We're more likely to win the championship. We're more likely to be ranked higher. So fan mentality is one of the greatest enemies. Don't get sucked into that. Oh, other people. For the fan mentality, uh, our greatest foe, F-O-E, oh, other people. When we compare ourselves to other people, that's, I mean, that goes well beyond sports. Again, as a school psychologist, we've seen the lowest of the lows, depression, suicide, substance abuse. It's stuff I don't take lightly, okay? That's, that's why a lot of this world is feeling real bad about themselves because we're comparing to other people. And, and with Instagram and Facebook and social media, it's great stuff. I'm all over that stuff. You should be following us on all those things. But that being said, if I'm comparing to other people, you start feeling bad. Nobody posts a picture when they're having a bad day, right? It's always when they're on an island, they're surrounded by all their friends. They're having a good time. They just won a competition. How often do you see a picture of someone where they're sitting in the corner and it says, you know, having a bad day? It doesn't happen. And we start saying, man, why isn't my family like this? Man, I'm one of the shortest guys in this room. Everyone here is pretty tall. You know, <laughs> like I start thinking about that. I'm starting to feel pretty bad about myself. So I don't want to go there. I don't, we're not focused on other people. And it's not just comparing ourselves to other people, it's also thinking, and this is the big one, thinking about other people's opinions. Are they, are, are, am I getting approval from other people, right? What are people saying about me? I want everyone to pat me on the back. Oh, Gene, he's a great athlete. Pat him on the back, right? I, like Lady Gaga, the song, I Live for the Applause. I live for the applause, applause, applause. That's a great thing when you have the microphone. You could sing at least once when you're up there. God didn't give me that gift, otherwise I'd be doing that and not this. And this is, I think this is a little bit better of a help to the world, hopefully. But uh, song's a bad message. Catchy beat, bad message. We don't live for the applause. And a lot of people, not only living for the applause, but like, I'm going to prove the haters wrong. We've all felt that before. As competitors, you want to prove other people wrong. No, because what's our focus on? 
is that predator-prey mindset. If I'm trying to prove other people wrong, prey mindset, I'm focused on other people. Also, even if you do reach your goals trying to prove people wrong, is that, is that optimal fuel for myself? Does that come without any side effects? No, because now there's bitterness, there's hostility, there's resentment, and that's why you see a lot of people, they get to the top, even some of the richest people, some of the most famous people, some of the best athletes, they're miserable SOBs, right? Because their whole life has been about, I want to prove other people wrong. So my goal is to not only be very, I want you to be not only very successful, successful, but very happy also. So we got to be running on optimal fuel. If you have a race car, you're not going to put regular into there, right? You're going to put on, you're going to put in, what is it? Premium, right? You're going to use premium gas, or if there's something better, you're going to use that. So you want to be running on optimal fuel. If I'm trying to prove other people wrong, it's not the best. It, it has more side effects to go along with it. Okay, so I don't want to think about looking good in front of other people. I don't want to focus on proving other people wrong. I see more athletes, and we're talking about some of the best, the best athletes in the world that we've worked with. They're still thinking about they don't want to let their dad down. They don't want to look bad in front of the crowd. They don't want to get booed. And it's because a lot of times on TV, we see this. They get sucked into that fan mentality, and people are like getting the crowd going. Yeah, it might sell tickets. It might look good. But what happens, we start focusing on other people. Same thing, you look at mixed martial arts, some of you watch UFC, they do a lot for show. Why? It sells tickets. But is that great for our mindset? Probably not, because we're focused on other people. So other people, we don't, wanna, we don't need pity, recognition, praise, or approval from everyone else. That's not the idea. And if you catch your athletes thinking, comparing themselves to other people, you want to take them off that road, not just for basketball, but for life. And then E is extra variables. So if, if we're focused too much on the time, if we're focused too much on the score, that's going to hurt us. So what is it? the coach should know the score. The coach should know the time. But the athletes, you don't want to be preoccupied with that. You want to be focused on things within your control. Effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. So get the extra variables out of your head. Um, who's watching? Who's here with me? What venue are we playing at? It's all extra stuff. So we don't want to get sucked into that. Really good thing that I remember, I should have brought this up when we were talking about fan mentality, but LeBron James going on what he calls a blackout from social media during the playoffs. Doesn't go on social media. Why? He doesn't want to get sucked into the crap. I remember hearing an interview about him. I, I think Pat Riley might have said something, and he was like, did, did you hear what your former coach said about you? And he was like, no. I'm, you know, only select people, only certain people even have his phone number during the season. So it's not getting caught up in that garbage. And I tell people, we better learn those lessons no matter what sport it is. We better be learning from John Wooden and LeBron and all these other people. We want to be studying people who are operating at a high level of success. Whether or not we like them, whether, we not, whether or not we like their team, that's a separate issue entirely. So predator mindset, we're focused on our effort, our attitude, and our aggressiveness. Okay, effort, simple question. My goal isn't to make you think more, it's to make you think less. Effort, am I going all out or am I going to hold back? That's a decision you make at every moment in practice. Are you going to run the sprint as hard as you can or are you going to hold back? In a game, are you going to go all out or are you going to hold back? If you're in school, am I going to go all out or am I going to hold back? Honestly, team, I, I gave the same presentation about predator and prey probably you know, over a thousand times in the past year. Really about a thousand times, honestly. Am I going to go all out or am I going to hold back? It'd be real easy for me to be like, yeah, you know, predator mindset, effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. No, I got to get up here. I got to get fired up. This is your first time hearing about it. 
tell you a cool story. We um, gave a presentation to like youth athletes. So yeah, we work with the Olympic team, we work with some of the top college teams, we work with Rutgers, Michigan, Maryland, Iowa State. So not only, not only work with them, but we work with these youth programs. This one kid was nine years old, and I was like, where are your eyes located? And he's like, front of my head. He runs up to me, he's like, I'm a born predator. He gave me a high five and everything, it was, it was awesome. That's what you like to see, you like to see that energy. But a lot of times as we get older, we stop going all out. Why? Pray mindset, I wanna look cool. It's cool not to try. How many of us see that with our athletes? Say I. Ath athletes where they set, where they don't, they don't act, they, they don't wanna act like they're giving a full effort because it doesn't look cool to try. It doesn't look cool to hustle. I'd rather everything look like effortless. That's why we have to start studying people. We need to start studying the athletes who are all out all the time. Same thing in school, you know? Same thing, job interview and in life. Am I gonna go all out or am I gonna hold back? Oh, oh, we did the faux mentality, the faux, the prey mindset. Effort, attitude, attitude. Are you going to be positive or negative? So here's where sports psychology, I think, gets a lot of a bad rap. People think when I talk about mindset, it's all about like, you know, hold hands and sing kumbaya and rainbows and sunshine and all these positive things. You know what? Being a positive thinker is very hard. It's a tough thing. Okay, you had a bad practice or you just lost a game. You missed, the, you missed the game winning shot. It was, it was yours to make and you missed it, right? In wrestling, we have to, you know, you, you're cutting weight too on top of that. <laughs> you know, you, you had a bad day in school, you just failed the test. And just when you think things couldn't get any worse, you find out your girlfriend left you for the drummer. You're having a bad day. In those moments, can you still be, oh no, none of you guys, right? <laughs> but the point is, in those moments, do you have the discipline to still be positive? It takes a lot of discipline and mental toughness to be a positive thinker. So again, more than just the lip service, more than me just telling you about this, there's got to be a practical, concrete, and down-to-earth exercise. So this would be the exercise to train positive thinking. Anytime you catch yourself complaining, right away, you have to give three positives, three things you're thankful for, right off the bat. That's hard to do. When you're having a bad day, try it yourself. You're having a bad day. The last thing you want to do, the last thing is to start saying, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for that. But that's exactly what you need to do. Okay, so again, going back, the school psychologist in me, I think back to this. The opposite of depression is not happiness. That was surprising to me when I heard that. It's not happiness, it's actually thankfulness. It's gratitude. Okay, so that's why one of, the, one of the tips that a psychologist would give someone who is struggling through a depression, a gratitude journal, writing a letter to someone thanking them, right? So one of the things we have our teams do when we work with the team, the first thing they do before, before we go through any lesson, they go through the four mindset principles. They stand up as a group. Number one, I'm thankful for the opportunity to play. Number two, I'm aggressive and relentless. Number three, I have no fear of losing or making mistakes. And number four, I never ever give up. But number one, it's gratitude. If you listen to the best athletes after they win a championship, you watch the Olympics, any, any championship, any sport, I was thankful for the opportunity. And it's like, oh, it's common sense. But did we play like that? A lot of times I didn't. You put a lot of pressure on yourself. You weren't thankful. You're just trying to get it over with. I'm sure you've seen a lot of athletes. They're just trying to get the game over with. They're trying to get it out of the way instead of really seizing the moment and being thankful. I tell the kids all the time, you go to any local hospital, you go to lo any local nursing home, seriously, go there. You see people who can't move the way you can, people who can't think the way you can. 
it's a blessing. It's a blessing that, we, that we're healthy, mind and body. And even when we have certain injuries or, or we're banged up, you know, one part of our body's bad, but other parts of our body are firing just fine. So being thankful for the opportunity. And you look at the Psalms. A lot of the books of the, a lot of, um, a lot of the Psalms are based on praise and glorifying God and giving thanksgiving. That's important, all right? Why do we lose sight of that? And in order to be thankful, what's built in? What's the assumption? If I'm thankful, that means I must have something. I can't be thankful for something I don't have, <laughs> right? So if I'm being thankful, if I'm thinking about the things that I like, the things that, you know, I'm grateful for, I'm going to be happy because I'm reminding myself I have. What's our society doing? Our society, this media culture, this consumer culture, it's I want this, I need that. What's the assumption there? That I have or I don't have. You wonder why people are struggling with things like depression. Again, this stuff I take very, very seriously and also why people are underperforming. There's the same kind of root. It's because we're focusing on what we want and we're saying, I don't have something. So yes, it's great to have goals. I want you to chase down your dreams, but you have to also be thankful for what you have and that's more likely to help you be successful. And then you see a lot of people, it's like, well, where's the research on, it's like, where's your research? I ask, where are your world champions? We've seen the best athletes in the world. Listen to the interviews. It's a great opportunity to learn. So being thankful, being thankful for the opportunity to compete. So important, any sport, same thing with school. I remember one of the things out of all the mental struggles that I had and all the difficulties that I, the things that I did wrong, and I did many of these things wrong competing, I always looked at the rankings and the records and the stuff. I wanted to see what people were saying about me. Now it's even worse with the athletes. How many likes did I get on Instagram, right? How many views did I get on Snapchat? Well, one of the things I remember doing pretty well when I was going for my master's and I'd have to write a 10-page paper or I had to write a 100-page thesis, I'd say, well, you know what? I'm, I'm thankful that at least I'm in school. I remember applying to these schools and at least I got in. About one-sixth of the world is illiterate. Got a lot of people starving to death. We lose sight of it. We get sucked into our culture. So being thankful for what we have, very, very important. Effort, attitude. So the attitude thing we were saying there with positivity, anytime you catch yourself complaining, three positives. Right off the bat, you got to be thankful. And then number three is aggressiveness. Now, if you look at the with aggressiveness, that could kind of be under attitude also, or that could be under effort. But I like to separate that because a lot of people, one of the big things we see with the athletes is they are afraid to lose and make mistakes. That's why our mindset principle number three is I have no fear of losing or making mistakes. Study the best people in the world. Study history. Look at the greatest warriors of all time. The US military, the Spartans, the Samurai, the Aztecs, the Apaches, uh, or Apache. I don't know what the plural is. Is Apache plural? I don't know. You should really look this stuff up before you're going to speak in front of people. But okay, the Apache or Apaches, what do they all have in common? Two things. They know what they believe and they're willing to die for it. All those great warriors, they know what they believe and they're willing to die for it. So it's my thought, it's my belief that if you study those, those people, those figures in history, if they could overcome the fear of death, we could overcome the fear of losing and making mistakes. But we have to change our focus. If we're focused like the way most people are, we're going to be very afraid to lose. We're going to be very afraid to make mistakes. So it's got to be built into who we are. It's got to be built into what we do. So aggressiveness, we have to take, we have to take chances, right? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And again, sports, school, and life. You want your kids to take these lessons sitting in the front row of their classes. Teacher asks for a volunteer, you don't even think twice. You shoot your hand right up immediately. 
The kids shouldn't be, if they're thinking like predators, you don't wait until you're struggling in a class and your parent or your teacher tells you to get extra help. You should be asking the teacher for extra help. You should be asking your parents for a tutor. So they gotta be predator students. And the same thing in life, when you're applying jobs in the future. We have some of you young guys, out, you guys in college or high school? College. So pretty soon you're gonna be in job interviews. You're gonna have three adults that are looking you right in the eye. You've, you don't have experience, why should I hire you? And you're gonna to have to have, and you can do it, but we're gonna to have to have the confidence and the mental toughness to stare them right in the eye and say, I'm the hardest worker you'll ever, you'll ever meet. I'm highly organized, I have a positive attitude. That takes a lot of confidence. That's not easy. And people are gonna say no. People are gonna reject us from time to time. We have to overcome that. But it comes with work on our mindset. So you can't look at it and think, oh, because I have a weakness, that's why I do mindset training. That doesn't make any sense, okay? The strength training, the strongest people in the world do the most strength training. Wouldn't we say that? The strongest people in the world are probably doing the most strength training. Same thing with our mindset. We can learn it, but we have to make sure we're taking these kind of steps. We're moving forward in that capacity. So <laughs> we want to be thinking like a predator. Effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. Sitting in the front row of classes. Reaching out to people. Some of you are going to be going to grad schools. You should be reaching out to the program director. Dr. So-and-so, this is Chris from Cortland. I'm very interested in attending your business school. Is there anything I could do to give me a better, is there anything, any recommendations that could help me get in here? In other words, being aggressive, being very aggressive. And I'll tell you, we, we have worked with about 90 teams around the country last year during, uh, during December. And I told all of the athletes, all of our college athletes, I said, if anyone's interested in a job as a mindset coach, contact me. One guy, one guy, and, and guess what? He's now part of the team but he was the one who was being aggressive. You see how it is when people go for job interviews. They put your name right in the bottom of the pile and they pick someone who they already know. So you've got to be aggressive and reach out to those people. So we could go off on a tangent all we want, but the idea is effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. That's our whole life. And it's got to be applied on the court. It's got to start right here. So we could talk about this for a while. I guess now getting to, the, uh, we're getting to some questions right after this, just a simple thing that we provide. We work with athletes one-on-one -on -one, and we work with teams. We break the year down into two phases, phase one and phase two. You probably have different phases in your training as a team, technically in your drills. I know strength training, there's different phases. What we have is preseason up through the, the end of the season. That's considered phase two. That's more geared towards peak performance. Confidence, relaxing under pressure, staying in the present moment, that's all phase two. Then if you look after the season's over, throughout the summer, that's what we consider phase one goal setting, action planning, making sure the kids are, you know, they, they have their um, priorities in line, staying away from, you know, they know what their stance is on drinking, partying, all that stuff. They, we make it very clear, what are my action plans? What are my beliefs? And how am I staying away from the crap that's going on around me? Right down to what's my nutrition plan like in the off season? What time, I go, what time am I going to sleep? A lot of athletes don't put that stuff down on paper. So we really help them get organized with that. But different times a year, there's a different focus, just like strength and just like technique. And also the teams that we work with, not only do we work with the team as a group, you bring everyone in into an auditorium or a classroom. Um, we work with everyone just like this. They all go through their worksheets. Also, the athletes get a one-on-one -on -one mindset session with one of our mindset coaches. So it really is a great deal. It fires me up. I get excited talking about it. I really believe that's my purpose in life, to be able to bring this to athletes exactly what I needed, exactly what I struggled with when I was sitting in their shoes. 
and it stinks because as a coach, I remember I'm kicking myself now because I made a lot of these mistakes when I was dealing with my athletes. I would get super fired up. You could see my energy level. I'm 34 right now. You should have saw when I was, you know, 22. I was nuts, right? I was all over the place. I was real excited. And we'd talk about winning in records and the kids, they go out there and they, they underperform. So I can't get that back, but if I could give these other teams and these athletes this information, it's a great thing. So I just really wanted to open the floor up now for questions while I'm here with athletes, coaches, staff, what could I help you with? Any specific situations you find yourselves in that I could help with? What do we think? Yes? What's that? Thankfulness, the four the principles. Oh, the four principles. So number one is I'm thankful for the opportunity to play. Number two is I'm aggressive and relentless. Right? We want these athletes doing, saying this all the time. So just like we have, oh, it's okay, I'll go through them. <laughs> I'm aggressive and relentless. Number three is I have no fear of losing or making mistakes. And number four is I never, ever give up. And um, what are we saying with the aggressive and relentless? We want them to say all these things all the time because we got to get mental reps. Just like with our drills, we get technical reps. Just like with strength, our squats, our bench, we get strength reps. You're never going to build up that mental muscle if we don't get mental reps. And I can tell you, we have two people that won an NCAA championship last year. And what happens after you win the NCAA is they put a microphone in your face and now you have a public speaking gig. Someone who's never done public speaking before, you win the nationals, now you have to talk in front of a few thousand people, right? And we had two athletes that they said, they, they actually, it was ingrained in their mind. The first thing they said, they still had a sweat going. I was just thankful for the opportunity. And the other person said, um, I have no fear of losing or making mistakes. The, after the biggest competitions of their life, they weren't talking about their technique. They weren't talking about their strength. They were talking about their mindset. And again, we're not downplaying the importance of technique or strength training. It's just what's made you successful as coaches, what's made you successful as athletes is probably not so much your physical skills as it is the mental skills. And that's also what leads you to be successful as a coach and just in general in life. Being able to have the discipline when the crowd is going this way, I go that way. Right? If you want to be a one in a thousand player, you got to have a one in a thousand mindset. That means I'm going to look a lot different than my friends because most friends might not be on the same path to greatness. A lot of your family members too. We're not putting anyone down. How many people are really trying to accomplish the best, the, be at the highest level? And the last thing I want to talk about with never ever giving up, that's important because that could happen. That's something we could give up. We could um, give up when we're losing. We could also give up while we're winning. How many times did you see a team with a lead? They start pumping the brakes in the, at, the, at the end of the game. And what happens? The other team starts coming back. You've probably been seeing situations where a team's lost, blown a big lead. Why? Because they quit while they were winning. We see that all the time across all sports. And we say, I don't care what the score is. You keep scoring and scoring, and eventually the other team breaks. You stick them in the ground. You step right on their throat, right? So being out for blood when you're playing. Not dirty, fair, square, by the rules, but you don't quit on yourself no matter what the situation is, whether we're winning or losing. A little bit of a tangent there, but any other questions? Yes? How would you handle selfishness? Selfishness? In, in, in what way? Well, we have to be looking at what's, what's the biggest goal here? Like, what, what, are, what is, and that's why we, we do get the team in as a group, and it's, Just understanding really that 
we're not going to achieve the ultimate unless we put ourselves to the side. It has to be, see, especially with team sports, it has to be a death event. It's got to be a death event. I have to die to myself. And, and I think that's what the great warriors understand. That's why I try to go back to these. Because if we just talk, like, sometimes just directly about the game, sometimes the athletes, they don't put it together. But if you bring up in history the Spartans, the samurai, the U.S. military, the reason why they're so effective is they are willing to die for the person that's next to them. So as a team, it's a death event. If I'm not willing to put, my, if I'm not willing to put the team before myself, I don't have the right attitude. So I would try to appeal to them in that way. That would be one of the things. But also we have to see kind of what's going on. Usually if they're selfish, it's usually revealing an insecurity. They don't feel good about themselves. So what's going on there? So one of the things we do, I guess to give a practical uh, piece with that, one of the things we have, one of the worksheets we do with the team, we have a coach's mindset guide, we have a parent's mindset guide. And we have, we have there is we have the athletes write down what does my coach or my parent do that helps me mentally? What might they do that hurts me mentally? Um, how do I need to have criticism? So am I very sensitive? Am I a little sensitive? How do I want my coach to treat me right before the competition? How do I want my parent to treat me uh, right before the competition? The good thing about asking those questions is now there's an open dialogue between the parent and the athlete, the coach and the athlete, and then a lot of times insecurities will start coming out. You know what I mean? So like what I, do with, what I would do with my athletes as a coach, I would say, okay, look, fill the sheet out, and we, would, we take the team actually through that. So they fill that out, and then I start having a discussion with that. So what are some of the things I'm doing that are helping you mentally? How am I hurting you mentally, possibly? And then from there, you start, once they start opening up and you're in a conversation, now you can see the insecurities. Because selfishness, self, really, we weren't built that way. The way we were designed as people, we were meant to be for other people. We were meant to be outside of ourselves. All sources of depression and anxiety is being turned in on myself. Okay, we were meant to be outside of ourselves, which is why if you, you're, you're the happiest and you're the most fulfilled when you're giving, not when you're receiving. Our society teaches you once, if you're chasing this, you're happy, or, or, if you're, or if you're getting things, you're happy. Just get more stuff and you'll be happy. And you're never happy. You've got to go to the well and get more. And then you've got to go to the well and get more. What is that? That's a life of addiction. So we're meant actually to be outside of ourselves. So... Any anytime we're, we're selfish, it's because we're focused, it's, it's because we're not thinking about other people, we're not outside ourselves, so it really reveals an insecurity. Which is why mindset training is so important, because if we're not talking about our doubts, our fears, and our insecurities, we could teach them all the drills in the world, they could squat 300 pounds, they could have a whatever vertical jump, but we're not actually addressing the problem. The problem is this person is insecure. So until we fix the problem, we're gonna repeat the same mistakes. I know it's a few things right there, but just getting you thinking about it. What else? Anything from the players? How could I help you? Anything that you're struggling with, I struggled with, I'm sure. Or <laughs> we've worked with athletes. Giving good opponents too much respect, focusing too much on records and rankings. What are we doing? Coaches, staff? What we're going to do here is we're going to pass around a sign-in sheet. Anyone who's interested in being on our newsletter, on our basketball mindset, we're going to have that available to you. Anyone who wants to do this with their team, it's a great opportunity to actually work on the thing that most people don't work on, taking it a step further, and actually doing the consistent work. Like we said, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. We have to attack the problem head-on or nothing's going to change. So we're very happy to help you out. I'm excited to be here. 
We drove a long way to come out here, but we wanted to be with you and give you this great information. We're going to be posting information constantly, free stuff on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff on Basketball Mindset. The name of the parent company is Winning Mindset. We work with other sports. We brought in basketball, soccer, track, all at the same time because our worksheets, even though they're highly specific to the sport, the essence is the same. If I say pull out relaxing under pressure week two, we could have six different sports. The language is specific to each sport, but the lesson is the same. The essence is the same. So we're happy to work with your school. Some of you are athletic directors. We're happy to work with all of the teams. And also if you're a parent, we have an individual program. So we're happy to help you. I'll stick around. Any questions? We're right here. Thank you, team. Good stuff. All right. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. <laughs> this contact popped out midway. I, I, saw, I saw you grab. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. It happens. They're hard contacts. Uh, we just need your, yeah. the, your mic for... Let's get that. I'm actually going to... Can I use that now? For I sure. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Thanks. You grab the sheet. <clears throat> hey. Yeah, good stuff. Ah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. I'm actually yeah. the volleyball coach here in Portland. Oh, awesome. But we miss a lot of serves. So I was just wondering. It's the same stuff. Error, it's unforced errors. It's have a routine, right? Like, and not feel the pressure. Here, take one of these. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Good stuff. Yeah, we're happy to help. I'll put out this sheet. Yeah, here. This is the way to do it. I'm going to give you a pen. We're going to put a sign-in sheet here if anyone wanted to put their name down. We could connect you with our newsletter and stuff. You want to pass these out? I'm going to take that. Oh, here you go. If you guys want to circulate these, if you want to get these going around, they are. Has got it. You're good. Take one of these. Yes. Take a pen. I bring those.